Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to our empowering ed podcast Healthy Mind and Healthy Life where we delve into topics that inspire health wellness and personal transformation so i'm your host avik and today we have an incredible guest joining us please welcome alison black a registered nutritionist therapist and beauty therapist who is dedicated to helping women worldwide manage the negative symptoms of menopause and reclaim their health and vitality. Alison's journey has taken her from the bustling health and wellness industry to the serene wilds of Sweden, all thanks to the enchantment of Viking Man. With over 30 years of experience specializing in menopausal women's health, Alison runs her own online clinic supporting her clients with bespoke changes to diet health and lifestyle beyond her work uh, alison enjoys spending time with her family exploring culinary delights in the kitchen and embracing nature through various outdoor activities her education to supporting women's health is unwavering and her experience and insights are sure to inspire and uplift please join me in welcoming alison blip and to our podcast and as we embark on an enriching conversation to reclaiming health embracing midlife and thriving through menopause so welcome alison how are you today oh thank you so much it's it's lovely to be on your podcast uh, yeah i'm really good thank you looking forward to our conversation great great so uh, so alison like this topic is really very interesting and i guess uh, rather i would say it's very important as well to, uh, to make people understand the reasons behind the same so uh, i'd like to understand first like the menopause is a significant life tra- transition for a woman so what are some common uh, symptoms experienced during this phase and uh, how can a woman proactively manage these symptoms to improve their overall well-being yeah a great great question because there's there's so much that really happens when a woman goes into to menopause and i think it's important before for i actually talk about what you can do is to explain briefly what actually menopause is because there's there's a lot of women out there that don't truly understand and we call it the menopause transition because this is it's a a phase in a woman's life and it it starts on average around the age of 45 but this varies considerably because it's very individual 
And the first phase is called perimenopause. And this is really where a woman is still menstruating. She still can get pregnant. Um, but the her hormones start to go. It's a bit like a roller coaster. You know, estrogen can be very high. Progesterone can be low. So that is the the beginning, really, of when you start feeling these symptoms coming on. Not all women do. Some women just glide through menopause and, and don't really have any symptoms. But some women really suffer. Uh, I mean, the classic symptoms like the hot flashes, uh, night sweats, um, mood swings, you know, becoming very irritable, uh, brain fog, lack of concentration, itchy skin. You know, the list goes on. Uh, weight gain, lack of sleep, you know, insomnia. It, 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 there's so many different things that can happen to to the to a woman due to you know many factors. But the 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 imbalance in these hormones really have an effect on the body. And I think what's important to remember is that estrogen, which is the the female one of the female sex hormones, is crucial for overall health. It really isn't just a sex hormone. You know, it's it's a hormone that we need for metabolic health, uh, besides many other things. And we have estrogen receptors all over our body. So when these hormones start to decline, it affects virtually every system of the body so what can you do i mean that that's a huge question because there are so many different things that you can do and and myself as a, a nutritional therapist you know i work with something called the functional medicine model where you really look at the client's you know the whole body you don't just look at the symptom you really look and, and get to the root cause of the symptom Nutrition is is key. You know, nutrition is a very powerful tool. But how I work with my clients in my practice is that we work with nutrition, we work with lifestyle uh, modifications, and also mindset um, to really, you know, work on those key aspects of of improving menopausal health. What you have to remember with nutrition is that as we get older. You can't get away with what you ate when you were in when you were younger, because so many things are happening in your body due to the decline in hormones and also the natural aging process. So when it comes to nutrition, you really want to eat whole foods. So think about, you know, getting rid of all the processed, all the refined foods, all the sugary foods, because also another effect that estrogen has on the body is that it helps, you know, it helps our metabolism. And a lot of women, when they come into menopause, there's a higher risk of becoming insulin resistant. And this basically means that your body can't handle blood sugar like it did when you were younger. And, and the next step on from insulin resistance is diabetes too. So it's really, you know, being mindful of what you eat. You have to think of portion control. You know, also the aging process, you can't eat as much as you did when you were younger. Unfortunately, that is just the way that it is. A Mediterranean style diet is very is a very good way of eating for a menopausal woman because it's got it's quite plant based, which has been shown in research that plant based I'm not saying that you need to stop eating meat, but it is there's a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruit, a lot of beans, um, 
et cetera, in this diet. And this really uh, has been shown to be very beneficial uh, towards menopausal symptoms like hot flashes and, and weight gain, et cetera. And, you know, you don't have to live near the Mediterranean to, to eat the Mediterranean diet. It is predominantly uh, fish-based, uh, white meat, uh, lots of fruits and vegetables, uh, legumes, and your wonderful healthy fats like your olive oil, avocados, uh, butter, and a small amount of red meat, but not so much red meat. And then thinking about hydration is key as well for, for all of us, but specifically for, for menopause or women, we really need to uh, make sure that our electrolytes are balanced, which is all, you know, magnesium and potassium really keeps your bodily systems in balance. Fiber is key. We need to keep the digestion moving. Again, lack of estrogen can cause digestive problems like constipation. We can suddenly find there's a bit, there's an increase actually in uh, irritable bowel syndrome in menopausal women. Uh, so there's, there's things that go on in the gut and we need fiber there really to keep that system uh, moving. And fiber is vegetables are a great source, whole grains, you know, brown rice, all, all your um, wholemeal breads, etc. So fiber is key. And there's also another uh, very interesting nutri nutrient called phytoestrogens. And, and phytoestrogens, there's been a lot of research done on them. And what they basically are, they're plant estrogens. And they, they're not the same as the female estrogen, like the human estrogen. However, they do have a similar chemical structure and they've been shown in research to be very beneficial for menopausal women to help relieve um, some symptoms. And that they also are a great form of uh, fibre. Things like flax seeds, uh, also known as linseeds, uh, soya, all, all soya products are a great form of phytoestrogens and also in vegetables phytoestrogens so that i think linseeds in particular i'm i'm a great fan of uh, linseeds or flax seeds uh, because they really are quite high in uh, certain phytoestrogens so i mean the, the talking about nutrition and menopause i could <laughs> i could talk for hours about it but that's you know some of the the key areas and getting enough calcium because we need calcium for bone health. You know, all these areas that we have to concentrate on when we come into uh, menopause, you know, it's heart health, bone health, um, brain health, because because of the effect that the lack of estrogen has on our body, we really need we need to care for ourselves better, really. We can't, like I say, we you can't get away with behaving like you did when you were younger because your body you know, really needs to be to be looked after. So you need to invest more time really in looking at your, your nutrition and eating nourishing foods and, and getting rid of all the all the junk. Getting, getting. So uh, like, um, so I, I, I believe uh, protein, fiber and uh, uh, a bit of calcium also plays an important role, right? Yeah, absolutely. But that protein um key as well for menopausal women because we lose muscle mass as, as we get older. And, you know, the mus muscles are so important for health, you know, and they also really, you know, they keep us strong. They allow movement and they, they're, they're very uh, energy intense muscles. So they burn energy. So it's also good for weight management. So you really need to eat protein to, to help 
you know, boost your muscles. I like to say a, a palm size of protein with every meal because in general, women don't eat enough. We don't eat enough protein. And it also protein is great because it keeps you satisfied. So when, if you're looking at weight management, you really need to maybe up your protein intake because you it, it stops you feeling hungry if you eat enough protein. Great, great. So uh, like nutrition always plays a vital role in supporting women's health uh, during menopause. So could you share some uh, dietary recommendations um, that can help alleviate the uh, symptoms and uh, also promote the optimal health uh, during this stage of life? Yeah, I mean, the, the, as far as symptom relief goes with nutrition, the, the, a big thing that is also shown in research is sugar. You know, sugar has been shown if you have a, a diet high in sugar, it, it really you do suffer more you may suffer more with menopausal symptoms and and you know sugar raises your blood sugar levels um, and if you constantly got high blood sugar levels then you know you you're you're not on a good path you could become insulin resistant so really getting rid of sugar and also thinking about what you drink you know when we think of sugar we think of sweet foods don't we but there's a lot of sugar when you when in processed foods like packaged foods uh if you look on the back before you buy anything, you know, look at the sugar content. It's very, it's very difficult in the in the food environment that we're living in in the moment. There's there's so much refined processed foods, and food is everywhere. Uh, so it's you really have to be mindful, and you have to be quite determined to navigate. You know what I say? It's, it's quite a toxic food environment we're living in, and you really just have to think: No, I'm not going to eat those sort of foods. I'm going to buy whole foods like a piece of broccoli, a chicken. You, you know, you see what it is. It doesn't have a list of forty different ingredients on it. Another key thing for managing symptoms is uh, to avoid alcohol. Alcohol is not the friend of a menopausal woman. You know, it interferes with your sleep. It, it can uh, stimulate hot flashes. It can give you headaches. And there is actually a reason behind that. And I see that in, in a lot of uh, my female friends and clients that they say, you know, I just can't drink anymore. I can't even have a couple of glasses of wine. I just feel terrible. And it's to do with the estrogen. It's to do with the hormones and how, you know, that affects your metabolism. So you can't actually metabolize alcohol like you did when you were younger. So it's not, it's, there's nothing, you know, you're not going crazy or anything. It's a very, very common thing with, with menopausal women that they say, I, I just can't drink anymore. And a lot of my clients just say, it's not worth it. They they stopped, you know, having that glass of wine in the evening because it, it affects their blood sugar. It wakes them up at night. It causes night sweats, it just makes you feel terrible. So alcohol, if you can't, stop drinking then maybe just try to cut down have a couple of uh, days a week where you where you don't drink uh any alcohol spicy foods have been there's not really strong research on this but they women do say certain women do say that spicy foods can trigger hot flashes um so i think really you need to maybe find that out yourself if you notice when you eat spicy foods that it makes you feel worse then you know maybe it's just worth avoiding that uh for a while and then looking at uh eating healthy fats 
but avoiding, you know, all the refined uh, oils and, and trans fats that we find in a lot of this processed foods because they're they're so damaged and, and they've been heated to extreme temperatures that they cause inflammation in the body. Uh, and, you know, that we don't want inflammation in the body because that can just make you feel terrible. So it's really looking, when you think of nutrition, you're looking at a balanced plate of food with your protein, uh, vegetables, uh, carbohydrates. I mean, vegetables are actually carbohydrates. So if you if you have like a good sized portion of protein, fill half your plate with vegetables uh, or and, and whole grains, and then healthy fats. So it's really getting that balance there. You don't fruit is great. There's nothing wrong with fruit. It's it's wonderful, but it does actually contain a lot of sugar. So you know you can eat fruit. I'm, I'm a big fan of fruit, but you know maybe two to three portions a day. So concentrate more on on vegetables. You know five to six portions of vegetables and and three portions of fruit because fruit you know it contains fructose and fructose is a sugar. Uh, so just be mindful of that, especially if you're looking at weight management. True, absolutely true. So uh, we are we are more more inclined towards uh, the packaged food and the processed foods nowadays. But yes, um, we should take care of ourselves and we should be healthy. So it's all in our mind. Uh, we just have to think rightly. So uh, that's that's great you have mentioned and like. Um, so uh, physical activities and exercise are important for everyone. So now how can a woman incorporate this exercise into their daily routines to support bone health, uh, maintain their muscle mass and also uh, manage their weight during menopause? Yeah, M- movement is is crucial. I mean, I think we all really know that, don't we? We know that we should move our bodies, but the the thing is, isn't it? It's actually doing it. It's like anything. So it's all very well someone telling you to exercise, but what when when I work with clients, the majority of clients when when they come to me are very overwhelmed and stressed. So what I try to do with exercise is find something that works for them. You know even if it's just five, 10 minutes a day. So I think it's very important to find one, find an exercise that you enjoy doing. You know, if you hate going to the gym, then don't do it because you're not going to do it long term. So finding something that works for you. What we need to think of as as menopausal uh, women is we need to lift things. It's really important to keep our bones healthy and our muscles healthy. So we need to do strength training. Unfortunately, there's no way around that. You need to lift things. You need to do resistance training. And you don't have to go to a gym if you've got you know something if you've got some dumbbells at home you know you can just use those i have a a routine in the kitchen when i put the kettle on that i have the dumbbells in the kitchen so every time the kettle's boiling i just pick the dumbbells up and just use them until the kettle's stopped and you know i drink a fair being british i drink a fair amount of tea so when you add up how many minutes a day you actually use the dumbbells it's actually quite a lot so it can be something as simple as that. I know clients that have done uh, in the morning after they've brushed their teeth, they do 10 push-ups. It's it's really interesting with that because it's really creating a habit, isn't it? And it's really interesting with habits. And this has been shown in research that if you attack 
if you're trying to create a new habit, if you attach that to an old habit, I mean, we all brush our teeth, don't we? We don't ever think about not doing that. So, for example, if you brush your teeth and attach a new habit to that, like the push-ups or you know, just doing 10 squats or whatever it is. Uh, for me, putting the kettle on is a habit. So now that I've done it so often, it feels really strange not to pick up the dumbbells and do, you know, lift them. So it's quite interesting how that works. And with exercise, I think it's important that, like I say, find something you enjoy. But even like going for a walk, you, you don't have to... When we come into menopause, it's actually been shown that we don't necessarily benefit so much from doing really high intensity exercise if we're very stressed and very run down and overwhelmed. We really need to kind of look after the body first and, and nourish it and build it back up before you start doing you know, the really high intensity stuff. 10 minute walk. Um, if, you, if you like running, not everybody does, just go for a, a run in the morning. Doesn't have to be hours and hours, just a 15, 20 minute run. So I think and obviously yoga and, and things like that are wonderful as well for stretching the body and, and you know calm and stress relief. Swimming also is a is a great thing because swimming really is quite kind on the body. It supports if a lot of menopausal women have joint pain. Uh, so swimming is is a great uh, form of exercise but the key thing really is finding something that works for you as long as you're moving you know stand up if you work at a desk you know try and stand up every half hour and just walk around for a bit rather than just sitting down all day movement is movement it's just you know not being sedentary that really is detrimental for our health that's correct that's correct so uh, like uh, again like uh Hormonal changes uh, during the menopause can affect the uh, sleep quality and mood. So, as you mentioned um, uh, at the beginning, so what strategies um, or lifestyle adjustment do you recommend to improve the sleep and enhance uh, the emotional well-being? Uh, so, during this transition, yeah, sleep is. <laughs> But sleep is key, isn't it, to overall health? And it really, really affects everything if you're not sleeping. And sleep really, when, when I work with clients, that's a key thing that we work on initially because when you get your sleep in place, you automatically start to feel better. One of the key elements that um, disrupts sleep in, in menopause is night sweats. And, you know, you find that you're waking up in the early hours of the morning. You know, some women have terrible night sweats. You know, the the, the, the clothes they're wearing are soaked. The whole bed is soaked. Uh, it, you know, it's very difficult to sleep if you're having night sweats. Also, due to the, the hormone imbalances, uh, you know, we can really see how it affects our sleep. If you think hormones are all very finely tuned and when they're un unbalanced, you know, it really affects everything, including the sleep. Mm. Uh, what you need to think about for sleep is you really have to be mindful of what you do before you go to bed. Um, in, in the modern world with technology, you know, we're constantly being stimulated. 
you know, if we're not working on our computers or, or on social media, we're watching television. So our brains are constantly stimulated and we don't actually want that before we go to sleep. We want to be producing what we call melatonin, which is a, a hormone which which is what we produce when we're going to go to sleep. It's it's the sleep hormone. But if we're constantly watching, you know, things and being stimulated and the bright lights, we don't produce that hormone. So two hours, at least two hours um, before you go to bed, really try to turn off top technology. I know that's difficult. I find it difficult, but I've I've done experiments on myself and really tried to do that. And it makes so much difference to sleep. If you can't start with two hours, start with maybe an hour before you go to sleep to just unwind. It's, it's a time to really just kind of breathe and sit down and, and, you know, maybe reflect back on the day and then talk to your family and just sit there and relax. You can read a book. You can, you know, just do something nice. Have a bath. Another, uh, talking about uh, bathing, Epsom salts, uh, which are very high in magnesium, are a wonderful thing to put in the bath before you go to bed because magnesium is really, really calming on the body. It's, it's a great uh, thing to incorporate into your nutrition for, for sleep, especially magnesium glycinate. That's the one that's that's very, very calming. So, Turn off technology. Think about what you're eating. You know, as we, we spoke about alcohol, not good for sleep. Uh, and then maybe try to think about stopping eating a good two to three hours before you actually go to bed because you don't want to be digesting things when, you, when you're trying to sleep. Uh, and, and not eating sugary foods, not eating stimulants like coffee and energy drinks that, you know, they all stimulate you and wake you up. We, we want to be going into a phase of calmness before we go to bed. I'm a, a chamomile tea is wonderful to drink um, in the evenings because chamomile is very, very calming. And also um, aromatherapy oils. Um, I'm actually an esthetician as well and have worked uh, with massage and, and aromatherapy. And with a lot of my clients, I use aromatherapy oils to, to help with sleep. Lavender, for example, is is fantastic for sleep. Very, very calming. And what you can do is you can just put a, you can put a little bit just on your pillow uh, or, or have um aromatherapy oils and just breathe them in before you go to sleep because aromatherapy oils something you were saying like some uh, dry leaves or maybe the fragrance you were saying or uh, what exactly or yeah i mean you can use leaves or you can use like an oil you can buy uh, aromatherapy oils wow. uh, which you can just inhale you can actually you can apply them to the skin as long as they're diluted because pure uh, aromatherapy oils are very they're quite strong so you need to have them diluted with another oil but you can you can apply them to your skin you can inhale them you can put them on on your pillow so you know when you're sleeping you can uh, you can inhale them so they they work wonderfully because they're very calming and then you know magnesium glycinate wonderful um thing to be having uh, before you go to bed because magnesium is just so calming and ma there's many different forms of magnesium um, and magnesium is is it's needed for virtually every process in the body it's a really crucial uh, mineral and we see in society that we're quite deficient in magnesium 
due to many reasons, but uh, I think stress, the chronic stress that's in society, we need, when we're very, very stressed, we burn a lot of magnesium. So I think, you know, maybe that is one of the reasons that society is lacking in magnesium. Wow, that's that's a lot of uh, good knowledge, I would say. So thanks. Thanks for sharing all this. So uh, like many women uh, experience these changes in their body, uh, uh, composition and metabolism uh, during this phase. So how can women effectively manage their weight and also uh, a healthy body composition during this phase? Yeah, that is such a, a common uh, issue with women and it kind of just creeps up on you gradually. And what I would like to say to women is, that, you know, you don't have to accept this because I hear so many people say, oh, you know, it's just middle age spread or because it tends to come majority of the time around the middle around the abdominal area. And when we think about weight gain in, in menopause, there are many factors that come into play. We still don't fully understand why it happens, but it's very individual. Thyroid, you know, if, you, if you're suddenly gaining weight and, and you're feeling very tired, lethargic, thyroid issues, the, the symptoms of thyroid issues are very similar to menopausal symptoms. And one of the, the symptoms of uh, hyperthyroidism, where your thyroid gland, which, which sits here, and it's, it's a gland that produces hormones, like the, the motor, it's like the engine of the body. So the symptoms of thyroid issues are very similar to menopause and weight gain being one of them. So what I like to say to clients is that, you know, you can have a blood test done where you can look at your thyroid hormone. So it's it's worth having that done because if that is the reason that you're gaining weight, it's very difficult to lose weight through dietary uh, aspects. So that's worth looking at. Stress, huge thing with weight gain. Um, if you're trying to lose weight and you're really stressed, it's virtually impossible because of the, the stress hormone. Stress hormone, cortisol in particular, when, you, when you've got that in your blood system constantly, you will store fat. And it also releases uh, stored sugar into the circulation because when you're stressed, your body thinks you need to, you need to run away from something. So you need energy. But in society, we're not, we, you know, we're not living in the tundra running away from tigers anymore. It's just this, the stress. If you're, you know, you've got a deadline to meet or you've had a um, discussion with your boss, that constant release of cortisol is really difficult to lose weight. So stress management is key. And then, you know, the other issues with weight managers, you do actually lose muscle mass as you get older. So it's, it, Menopause plays a role in it, but also the aging process, you know, gut health, uh, that slows down and, you know, you can maybe have problems with the microbiome, the gut bacteria, which can uh, affect weight management. And also another interesting fact is that estrogen actually is a hormone suppressant. And we have um, hunger hormones, leptin and ghrelin, and, and these hormones are affected during menopause. Uh, so we you hear so many people say, I'm just hungry all the time. I, I, I can't stop eating. And if you think, you know, estrogen has declined and these other hunger hormones are all a bit uh, unbalanced. So you can find that you, you want to eat more and you're not satisfied. What can you do for weight management? I mean, that's a really big, big question. And 
what you need to think is really quite similar to the advice that I was giving earlier that you have to cut out all this processed refined food. You really have to think about managing your blood sugar. Uh, again, you know, it's a bit like stress. If if you're constantly eating these sweet, uh, refined, uh, processed foods, which raise your blood sugar, you then pr- produce a hormone called insulin. And insulin is really the hormone that allows your body to utilize glucose, which is the energy. But if you're constantly eating these, you know, your body can suddenly think, oh, insulin again, and it becomes less sensitive to it. So it's kind of like the key opening the cell, which doesn't work like it used to. Again, high insulin levels in the, the system what what happens with all the sugar? It's stored as fat and it's stored predominantly around the middle area. And, and as women, we see that we go from an, an apple shape, sorry, we go from a pear shape to an apple shape because you get more, the, you know, the stomach, the tummy area. Yeah. Avoiding sugar, uh, making sure you're hydrated, not eating all the time we don't actually need to eat all the time you really have to think of portion control but one thing i would say about weight management is that forget all the fad diets try try to think about you're not going on a diet you're basically eating to have a healthy body because it's been shown that these fad diets don't work and the majority of women when they've gone on these crash diets okay you will lose weight initially but when you come off it, you tend to put the weight back on and even more. It's it's a long-term lifestyle change to lose weight. And I know that's probably not what people want to hear. But if you constantly eat a healthy diet, it's not restriction. It's a healthy diet. You, your body naturally loses weight. It's all the sugar and processed refined foods that we see in the world today because we, we have an obesity epidemic and that you know, there's many factors that come into play, but the, you know, processed refined foods are jef- definitely one of the factors in, in the problem in society. That's true. That's, that's really, um, like I would say, um, it's, it's very eye opening, um, discussions and, uh, uh, the way you explain things, um, it actually helps people to make it easier for them and to understand as well. So uh, so on the other side, self-care becomes also increasingly important during this time. So when, like, what self-care practices uh, do you recommend uh, to women to prioritize their well-being and nurture their mind, body and spirit? Yeah, self-care is, is key to, to really look after yourself. And I think... You know, women, we're carers, aren't we? And we're always caring and looking after everybody else. You just need, I think the first thing with, with it's mindset, isn't it, with self-care? You have to allow yourself, you have to have a bit of meism and think it's actually okay that I take time out every day to do something that I enjoy doing. Um, you know, I like to use the, you know, if you think of, you have to fill your cup. You know, you have to have your cup has to virtually be overflowing so you can then give to others. If your cup's empty, you haven't got the energy to look after other people. And how do you feel? How how do you keep your cup full and how do you get it to overflow? And that's through self-care. Just something very simple. Like, you know, as we were saying, take a bath in the evening if you have a bath. 
sit down on your own and just read a book. Sometimes just have it. You don't constantly have to be doing things. Sitting by a window and just looking out, drinking a cup of tea and breathing. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of uh, breathing exercises. Uh, they really do help to reset the nervous system. You know, just taking a few deep breaths. That that is self care. I think people always think, oh, self care. Oh, what does that? That means doing like an hour's meditation every day. And brilliant if you can do that because meditation is fantastic. But there's not many people that have that amount of time daily. Uh, but do it. You know, like yoga, ten minutes meditation, reading a book, having a hot bath, phoning a friend. You know, laughter. I think we don't laugh as much in society as we used exactly, to. You know, exactly correct to mention. True. Yeah, laughter is so good for health, isn't it? True. You're just putting some music on and, and dancing around the kitchen, phoning a, a friend, a girlfriend, and you know, having a, a silly conversation. It it just really picks you up. And laughter has actually been shown in research to be good for your health because of the hormones it releases. So self-care is really taking time daily to do something that you enjoy doing. And like I say, it doesn't have to be complicated. True. Exactly, exactly true. Like uh, self-care is definitely should be at the top. And yes, uh, like we should love. So I, I believe uh, with this modern world, we somehow forgot about laughing about meeting uh, or calling a friend uh, just just for like saying hello only but i believe th these are few small things which actually can change a lot of um, a lot of things and uh, makes us feel better so uh, there's actually um, i've i've not done it myself but it's it's on my list of things to try there's something called uh, laughing yoga where okay. you basically i don't know if you heard of it Yes, yes, yes. I have heard. Like it's it's about I guess chanting, right? It's chanting, and with that you should laugh. So that was great. I'll have to try that because I've seen I've I've watched a video or something, a short video, and even just watching that video made you laugh because when you see other people laughing, you, it's hard not to laugh yourself. Yes. Yes, it's, it's it's really it's really very really great thing. Like uh, by seeing them, also you will feel laughing, and that's the natural laughing. So uh, it's it's good for health also. Yeah. So uh, so what impact um, uh, like during this phase, women's confidence and self esteem? So how can a woman embrace their beauty and regain their self-confidence during this transformative phase of life? Yeah, confidence is is a big thing and anxiety kind of, again, due to the decline in, in hormones, the you see a lot of women that are very confident all of a sudden think, oh, no, I can't do that. Or, you know, you, you may be a very confident person and then all of a sudden you're going to a party or you're going to a meeting and you start feeling really anxious before you're going to go into this room and meet loads of new people. And it, it, anxiety is a big uh, symptom of menopause and it's very difficult to, to manage that. And I think the first thing really is accepting 
that 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 is happening to you and, and you're not going crazy and there is a reason for it because some anxiety is terrible and it can really destroy you know your life and how how you feel so first of all is realizing that this is due to menopause you know we say that might be due to other things but you know if if it's due to menopause you know, really understanding why that is happening, uh, what's going on in the body, because knowledge is power. And once you realize, okay, I'm feeling anxious, I know why this is happening, I'm going to take a few deep breaths and then I'm going to move on. But I think with anxiety and, and lack of confidence, you know, it's something that you shouldn't suffer alone with. Uh, you really need to talk to somebody about that because you know, even if it's just a friend, to say how you're feeling because when you talk about a problem it always makes it feel better doesn't it and realizing that menopause it's not a disease you know it's it's a totally natural process but but suffering isn't and and an area that that we haven't spoken about and you know is is an area that i always say to to clients that you know, look at all the pieces, you know, you've got nutrition, you've got lifestyle, you've got mindset, but you then also have like hormone replacement therapy. I mean, I'm, I'm not a doctor. This isn't something, you know, you would need to go and see your healthcare uh, provider, but that works for some women. You know, it's not for everyone. It's quite a controversial subject, um, but that can really help some women. It can really change their lives around hormone replacement therapy. And I, I don't know what it's like in your part of the world, but certainly in Europe where I live, there's there's a menopause revolution going on at the moment. And, and women are really, you know, coming out and saying, you know, we want help, we want support. And hormone replacement therapy has got a lot more, um, you know, people are talking about it more. It was all very before very oh no nobody wanted to talk about it uh but now it, it's really come out into the forefront and people women are talking about it so that is definitely a piece for any women out there that are really suffering get all the knowledge in front of you and then you you make the decision but decide yourselves and get get the knowledge from a, a doctor um preferably a doctor that specializes in menopausal health. True, true. Definitely true. I agree with you because uh, this is not a curse. This is just a natural process and there is no harm uh, talking about it, uh, gaining knowledge about it, uh, or even uh, uh, seeking uh, support or knowledge from the near ones. So it's, it's also very important. So there is no harm into it. And so last but not least, uh, uh, there is there's the one thing in my mind like as you have, as you have mentioned about the fragrance so fragrance actually uh, changes our mood uh, our uplifts our mood uh, help us stay calm so what kind of fragrances would you recommend uh, to anyone uh, like be it male be it female anyone so uh, that can actually uplift their mood Okay, so do you mean in like any anything that like the way that we think that can uplift your mood or yeah, up well we spoke about one, didn't we? Laughter. Yeah. Yeah, that that certainly uplifts your mood. I think laughter, uh, talking to a friend, families. You know, another really interesting thing to uplift your mood is is pets. They've been shown that animals, you know, like stroking a dog or, or a cat 
really uplifts your mood. I know in in some um, parts of the world they actually have dogs and and, and pets that they take into uh, hospitals, for example, to make people feel better. They have a very calming effect on on if if you like animals. Um, and then you know think there are certain. Um, like nutrients that make you feel uplifted, like like the teas, certain chamomile teas and, and teas that are very calming and soothing and, and just give you a general feeling of, of well-being. Um, and I, I think doing things for yourself is uplifting, isn't it? Mo- exercise is uplifting. Starting, I th- one thing that I find and I try to work with my clients is, is to, to do, try to do things that, push you a little bit like push you out of your comfort zone because that is very uplifting even though you might initially think oh no I don't know if I like the idea of that but once you've done it you feel great and it doesn't have to be something really drastic it can just be you know phoning maybe a friend that you haven't spoken to for a couple of years something that maybe is slightly bit uncomfortable but when you've done it it makes you feel it feel great because we live in a very comfortable society, don't we? And to grow as, as a person, you you need to push yourself constantly to do things that make you feel uncomfortable. Because then you kind of push the barrier, don't you? A bit further each time. So I'm, I'm a big fan of doing things that make you feel uncomfortable because they do actually make you feel great when you've done them. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. So... Uh... Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this um, enlightening episode of our podcast and uh, where we explored the transformative journey of thriving through change and improving the health and well-being during menopause. So we extend our heartfelt gratitude to you, Alison, for sharing your expertise and empowering the insights and it's really really knowledgeable and it's really gonna helpful for all so uh so allison's uh wealth of knowledge and experience uh in menopausal women's health has provided us with the valuable strategies and practical tips to navigate this transformative phase with grace and vitality so on her mission to support women in harnessing their hormones and reclaiming their confidence and sparkle is truly inspiring. So as we uh, conclude this episode, uh, we encourage you all to take the wisdom and guidance shared by Alison and apply them to your own life. Embrace menopause as an opportunity for growth, self-care and renewed vitality. Prioritize your nutrition, as she mentioned about it, and engage in regular exercise, nurture your self-confidence, and practice self-care to navigate this transformative phase with grace and resilience. Always remember, every woman deserves to feel and look amazing in midlife. So, menopause is not an end, but a new chapter filled with possibilities and opportunities for personal growth and well-being. So we hope this episode has provided you with valuable insights and inspirations to embrace the beauty and potential of menopause. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast for future episodes dedicated to supporting your health, well-being and personal growth. Thank you for listening and until next time, embrace the changes 
prioritize your well-being and thrive through every phase of life including menopause and thank you alison for joining us today and making the episode success oh thank you it's a pleasure it's been lovely talking to you thank you